My name is Ed Peters, and I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today in Matthew chapter 12, moving on to verses 38 through 42. These verses continue the previous incident in which the religious leaders accused Jesus of using the power of Satan to accomplish his miracles. Now, we see these people demanding a sign from Jesus to prove to them that his miracles came from above, from God, and not from below, from Satan. They do not question that the miracles are real, but they want him to prove whether the power to accomplish these miracles is from God. Perhaps these were not the same men that had charged him with being in league with Satan, but their mindset was similar. Therefore, the tone of Jesus' reply is continued. Now, here are verses 38 through 42 of Matthew writes as follows. At this, some of the doctors of the law and the Pharisees said, Master, we would like you to show us a sign. He answered, It is a wicked, godless generation that asks for a sign, and the only sign that will be given it is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of of the sea monster for three days and three nights. And in the same way, the Son of Man will be three nights and three days in the bowels of the earth. At the judgment, when this generation is on trial, the men of Nineveh will appear against it and ensure its condemnation, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And what is here is greater than Jonah. The queen of the south will appear at the judgment when this generation is on trial and ensure its condemnation, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and what is here is greater than Solomon. O come, loud anthems, let us sing thanks to our Here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. One day the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Matthew 12, 38. 
They had seen miracles all along. Miracles were almost commonplace. The saying is, familiarity breeds contempt. What these Pharisees wanted was something very special, something outrageously, spectacularly miraculous. Give us one good sign, they said. Perhaps they implied that if they saw something extremely spectacular, then they would believe. They did not realize that signs and miracles should not be necessary for faith. The word of God of Christ should be sufficient. Jesus, of course, knew their heart, and he knew that they had no intention of believing on him, even if he would show them some great trick. They just wanted Jesus to do a very big spectacular miracle. Perhaps they wanted a spectacular prediction or prophecy that would immediately come to pass. This presumably would remove any question as to Jesus' authority. Here is Jesus' reply and rebuke. Matthew 12, 39-42 A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Or the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Jesus berated these men for just being interested in miracles, one after another and bigger and bigger. That's a problem that we humans have with miracles. Sin causes us to want to see and experience bigger and more spectacular ones. That's a part of our human nature under sin. We consider the one who performs the biggest to be the most spiritual. Well, Jesus cut these men off. He knew they would not change their mind about him because as sure as Jonah went to his grave in the fish and came back to be with the living, so Jesus would die and be resurrected. If his crucifixion, which was still future, was as sure as Jonah's experience, which was long past, then he could be certain that the Pharisees and others like them who put him on the cross would not repent so why waste time and give them a spectacular sign? He simply reminded them of Jonah. Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites. They heard of his experience when he was swallowed by the fish, was delivered from death, and lived to tell about it. Those pagan people of Nineveh believed and repented. All they had was Jonah's words, and they believed. What a rebuke to the Pharisees. Jesus was a greater than Jonah, and with all the signs and miracles, they still refused to believe, but planned to kill him. The Pharisees' condemnation would be greater than Nineveh had they rejected Jonah. 
it was far more serious to reject the Son of Man, Jesus, than Jonah. Both Jonah and Jesus were delivered from death. But the hearers of Jonah repented, while the hearers of Jesus hardened their hearts against him. The same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. The difference was not in the message. Both Jonah and Jesus were delivered from death. Both spoke of death and resurrection. The difference was in the audience, the recipients of the message. The pagans received Jonah and his message, while the Pharisees rejected Jesus and his message. It's the responsibility of the hearer to receive the Savior. Jesus also mentions the Queen of Sheba, who heard Solomon's wisdom and believed. Now one greater than Solomon in all his wisdom was here, and the Pharisees refused him. I must comment, at least in passing, on Jesus' statement, three days and three nights. The phrase is not inconsistent with the crucifixion of Christ on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday. Between his burial and resurrection, to which these words refer, may only have been 36 hours. The phrase three days and three nights is simply an expression, meaning a part of three days. In Hebrew tradition, the words three days and three nights meant any combination of parts of three days. That is consistent with Matthew's words in 1621, where he states that Jesus arose on the third day. Finally, when the Pharisees asked for a sign, Jesus said, in effect, I am God's sign. But you fail to recognize me. The pagans of Nineveh recognized God speaking through the prophet Jonah, and the queen of Sheba recognized God's wisdom in Solomon. But you, Pharisees, have not recognized me as the Messiah. You are blind and deaf to the truth. Unlike the pagans and the queen, you have hardened your hearts. When they were incontrovertibly confronted with God, they believed. Now a greater than Jonah and Solomon is here. You are being confronted unquestionably with God, and you won't believe. I am God's sign, Jesus said, and you refuse to believe. I'm putting my own words to those of Jesus. The pagans of Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba had less light than the Pharisees, yet they acted on it while the Pharisees acted against it. In Jesus, humanity is confronted with God without any question. What is your reaction to Jesus? That's the question that shouts at us all as we hear these words from our Lord. That's the most crucial question everyone must face and answer. If you're listening to these programs from the Gospel of Matthew, you've been confronted again and again with Jesus, his works and his words. What's your response? like the Pharisees or like the Ninevites. Either you reject him or accept him. There is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. Think about it. It was my cross 
he carried up the hill those were my nails they drove into his hands they were for me they were for me instead of me instead of me What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.